everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. You can't fix money problems with money. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? I'm, I'm running on a little lack of sleep, but mm. uh, do, doing good. And I have a Boont Barrel Bourbon Barrel Amber Ale. Jesus. To, uh, that was a mouthful. To, yeah. Let's get me through. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that this amber, is only huh? 6%. I'm trying to be, you know, conservative. And you're, you're still drinking a bourbon barreled beer, yet it's only 6%. It's like a session at that point. Yeah, exactly. I, I almost grabbed a 7.5% and I was like, oof, I don't know if I'll make it through all three. <laughs> but it's hot, as, it's hot as hell there. So like, yeah. I mean, that's why I've, I've chosen to uh, go with the Dogfish Head Sequench Sour Session Sour. Mm. It, it is a good beer. You've had this. this I mm. I absolutely love this beer. It is a uh, it is brewed with lime juice, lime peel, black limes, and sea salt. It is made with a Kolsch yeast, and it is like ah, it's the best. I really like. I I've come to really enjoy just all the things they do. Do you know they they make a gin? Yeah, yeah. They have a whole it, like a, a super spirits program. and ah man, I. I couldn't find it the second time I went. I was like crying because they don't have it out here. I haven't seen it. I know. I know they sell it, but I haven't seen it out here. Mm. When I come home, I'll have to get some or at least just drink an entire bottle. That's fine. So I don't have to get it. Carry one on the plane with me. But anyway, uh, our catchphrase today came from Shannon in BC, Canada. Thank you, Shannon. Oh, Canada. (laughs) That's the that's your. That's exactly how the song goes. Right? Yeah. Oh, Canada. That's it. All right. I, I'm a big fan. Big fan. I've been to Canada once. Hmm. Been to uh, Vancouver. Not too many people in the world that can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. So today we are doing a five questions episode, and we'll be talking about what to do with a raise, inheritance, bull markets buying an engagement ring, and Andrew's favorite, <laughs> marijuana. Oh, yeah. The sticky icky. <laughs> That's all right. This is going to be interesting. So, you know, let's start. You ready? Yeah. All right. What to do with a raise? I'm about to get a raise of about of about $700 a month, and I have about $13,000 in credit card debt and a car loan of $20,000. The credit card was just transferred to a no interest credit card for the next 18 months. And the loan, the car loan is a 4% interest or has a 4% interest rate. Better to use the money on the credit card or the car loan. I have three months pay saved. Oh, he has three months pay saved and no other savings. So you love how I just, we don't even edit it up for you. No, you don't. And I'm like, what the hell CC mean? (laughs) Oh, credit card. Right. Better. Okay. Right. Um, so getting a raise three months saved, uh, 13,000 in credit card debt, 20,000 in a car loan. The credit card currently is at a zero interest for the next 18 months. The car loan is at a 4% interest for the life of the loan. Um, this is a no brainer to me. It is the credit card Mm. pay off the credit card because once that 18 months is gone, it is going to be way more than 4% interest. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say, you know, in the next 18 months, take the savings that you have, take the, you know, anything you're about, the, the raise that you're going to get and get that 13000 down as low as you possibly can. So I agree because the credit card 
is going to be like the uh, the urgent thing. Um, <clears throat> I also was looking at it, and uh, there's there's a little bit of a, a math issue here mm. because the seven hundred dollars a month over eighteen months only adds up to twelve thousand six hundred dollars, and that's not counting car payments. So. In this case, unless you're putting more money to it, you're basically guaranteed to not pay it all off. Um, but closer than 20K. Yes. Oh, for sure. So if and, you, all right, so if you're about to get a raise of $700 and you have 18 months to pay off the credit card with zero interest, so that means that any, that, that every $700 a month you put towards that credit card is the full amount that's going to go towards paying it down. So the, so the math is you're saying seven, Hundred dollars times eighteen months is about twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand six hundred. So you need to put a little, like a little over seven hundred twenty-two dollars. So a month I guess this is what they're to asking. Just so, pay off the credit. yeah. So that's obviously a no-brainer, right? Like mm. you, you have eighteen months to pay the full amount towards uh, that extra seven hundred dollars that you're about to get. Towards you'll have no credit card debt. Right. So and, so the the deal is because you have these like three months pay saved. Yeah. Set the automated payment. 725, whatever it is, 720. Yep. It's actually 722 and 22 cents. Automate that over 18 months, Boom. pay that down. And when that is done, just change the location to go to the car payment. Mm -hmm. You know, you've obviously been paying the car minimum. Yeah. And, and honestly, I would not be trying to pay a car off at any rate. Mm. I would not try to pay your car off because it, to me, it's like that car is depreciating all the time. It, owning it, it really all owning it does is free up the monthly payments so that you can uh, pay for maintenance because that's yeah, really all that's really all it's going to go so towards. Then you could put it into investments. Yeah. I, so the the thing is, I, I feel like we get this question a lot. Yeah. I'd rather take that seven, extra $725 or whatever or $700 that you're getting and putting it towards investments than putting mm -hmm. it towards a you'll you'll make more than 4% that you'll lose an in interest. Um, I feel like we get the question a lot, like, do I pay off my, because like everyone thinks that credit card debt and car loans are equally as bad. Mm. And I would say they are not the same thing. I would agree. One is giving you literal value, meaning like you can, it gets you from point A to point B. It's a traveling vehicle, right? It is a utility vehicle. So consider it like the way that I think of a car nowadays is like your cell phone bill. It's like your cable bill, especially if you don't live in a city, if you live somewhere where you absolutely need a car to get mm. to work, to get to, you know, this grocery store or whatever, like it is a utility bill. Assume that that is what your utility bill is. And your goal is to keep that utility bill down, right? Now you bought a car, it's 20 grand, whatever you have it. So you can't lower it, but it's just, it's, you're just going to have it right. And the interests are pretty low on car loans. For the most part, unless you have, you know, horrible sure. credit credit card is you. It's just money in advance and it, the interest rates are so much higher and there's so many, like there's so much extra shit. That's like, they pile in the, the thing that they they are absolutely worse than a car loan. And so the question that I'm, and I'm, I mean, it's going to be like 20% and up, you know, yeah. your interest. Oh rate, yeah, so. for sure. Um, and even if you have the best credit in the world, like I have awesome credit, I'm still 18% for a credit card, mm. you know? So it's, uh, you know, it's not like you're still like five times worse. Yeah, than a car yeah, loan. exactly. And again, I'm not getting the only utility I'm getting is the idea that I have money right this second. That's not right. mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, 
but if I don't, yeah. Anyway, just know that credit cards are always worse than car loans. Mm. And there's, I don't think there's any urgency to pay off a car. Boom. There you go. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate that. Uh, moving on to question number two, where to invest in the mature bull market. And we are currently in a bull market. Is that correct? Yes. And that just means that um, the economy is growing for however many consecutive quarters, like two. And it's least. and it's mature because we've been in it for so long. Mm. Okay. So uh, I have been a cash hoarder after listening to your show, and I realized I need to invest more. That's good. Uh, I invest- And after listening to your show. Huh? They were a cash hoarder, and after listening to your show, realized they need to invest more. Yes, So I was right. like, oh my God, if you're hoarding cash because of us, yeah, don't we're do listening that. Yeah. backwards. <laughs> All right, so I invest in my 401k, and I will receive a pension when I retire. I have my investments in stocks, in Robinhood, and investing in Betterment every month. I've also saved up an emergency fund and a high-yield savings account. I also invested a portion of cash in a rental property. Wow, that's awesome. After my emergency fund, I still have $29,000 dollars of cash to be invested since we are in a peak of a bull market where should i invest my cash should i keep this in cash as an opportunity fund until the market correction or should i put it in fundrise and vanguard i am 33 years old and i want to retire early so that so, is from melly from san fran can't we cannot predict the future i don't know what yes. will happen i can tell you what I am doing, um, and then, you know, yep. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah. Um, we are investing in the golden. Uh, butterfly. I was say the golden eagle, the mm -hmm. golden butterfly. Uh, we can um, change it to the golden eagle. Sounds a little cooler. <laughs> and that accounts for about two-thirds of our investments okay. in a month that are auto investments. Okay. It's a significant one, chunk. Right. And then one-third is going to fundrise. Right. And, and let me uh, explain. Well, explain like backwards. Okay. Um, so Fundrise uh, is in property and it's either in debt, uh, you know, developers are buying properties, they're going to renovate them. And so it's debt to fund that uh -huh. or it's equity or they buy it, own it, renovate it, and then rent it. Or maybe in the future, flip it if that's what they think is, is the best idea. Um, they, I don't want to say they're conservative, but they've sent a ton of emails out on how they feel about the market um, and that they are, they're, they're essentially value investors. They're not mm -hmm. willing to pay exorbitant prices for things or get what would be shitty deals. And so I really, really like that. Let, let me, can I just stop you for a second and ask? Mm -hmm. I, I don't really think I understand Fundrise. <laughs> like, okay. I really, okay. Yeah. Just give me like the, the, the basis. So if you wanted to get a rental property, mm -hmm. you'd go find a property and go through the buying process. Right? Similar to like Zillow, but you could buy online. Right. Okay. Um, and then there are REITs, like real estate investment trusts, REITs. Yeah. So these are like are, index funds. Right. Which are funds. index funds. And so you have your, your individual property, which is like, I don't know, maybe $100,000 properties, your rental property. Okay. Right. And then you have REITs that are buying enormous amounts of things. They're worth billions and billions of dollars. And yep. they're managed by like Vanguard, Fidelity, whatever. Okay. And so you have exposure to real estate, you know, in that, in both 
scenarios. Right, but not directly owning a piece of property in the REIT in, case. In the REIT case, yeah. correct. Um, you're obviously heavily concentrated if you buy a rental property yourself. Yeah. Um, REITs also have uh, whatever overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're inefficient in, in, in a lot of different ways. And at scale, it becomes really like this is what Warren Buffett's problem is. He has so much money to in order to grow at an awesome rate. He has to find deals at such scale that are good. Mm-hmm. And it's just challenging. And so REITs at a certain size um, become really challenging for the same reasons. Uh, Fundrise is, I would say, like the middle portion between you owning properties and investing in a massive scale REIT. Mm-hmm. They're going into deals that may be, uh, like, for example, in, in one quarter, they may spend $80 million Who's acquiring they? Fundrise. Okay. So Fundrise is built up of a bunch of mini E-REITs, which, you know, mm. whether it's the Heartlands in the US or the East Coast mm. or... Uh, you know, this one is a buy and hold. This one is debt only. And so they have a bunch of different strategies that a la betterment style, you can kind of put your money in and they will spread it out based on your risk tolerance. Okay. And uh, they're deals that are too big for someone like me or you to get into, to compete with. So there's not a lot of competition, mm-hmm. but small enough that they can add value um, to okay. the deal, or they could pick something that's like buy a light rail station. Okay, so comparing that to say something like Betterment, what are your what's like the return average return rates in something like Funrise? So Funrise has been um, for the past three, maybe even four years, uh, above ten percent, or like above nine and above. Mm. Um, but we are like, also in a bull market. We're in a bull market, and they started um, in a bull market, right? And they're talking about the types of deals they're investing in and mm-hmm. they're actually investing less now because it's harder to find yeah. the really good deals. Um, it's, it's fundamentally different. Betterment's like investing in the U S economy. Yeah. This is investing in a piece of the U S economy. If you mm-hmm. buy into their kind of investment methodology. Yeah. Their framework. What, are you worried at all that Fundrise started within a bull market and they don't know what life is like as a company when we are in a recession or even a slight correction? So what's really cool is um, everything they invest in, they write up a whole super detailed blog post explaining their logic of why they went into that specific deal. Yeah. And, and then they keep showing you updates like as mm. it's renovated. So you and- you have to, in, when you invest in Fundrise, you're, you're investing in their method you know their methods their their, their deal which is which is essentially and, what betterment and all these other robo advisors are is you're you're kind of buying into like you're trusting them based on your risk level on what they want to invest in and they also do write-ups as well so it is very similar it's just in the real estate market reads instead of in the u.s economy and stocks and stuff right right but, but to to your question and i actually i kind of forgot your question i may have uh derailed you a bit yeah what, what but was my, the? i guess my question is basically just tell me like because Fundrise started as a company in ah, a bull okay. market. So, yeah. so the, the, the reason why I'm not concerned about that is, you know, not like, you know, investable, uh, but, the, but the same approach towards if you were to buy rental properties yourself um, applies broadly is you have a deal and there's specific specifications of the deal mm-hmm. and looking at the type of return you want to get. 
the the price kind of becomes determinant of if you can go into the deal or not. And so they use that and then avoid deals if they're mm-hmm. not meeting their requirements. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not super worried okay. because I'm really confident in uh, their their specifications of okay. what they will buy into. And and, and, and and like Betterment, if Betterment itself goes out of business, you still own the stocks. Yes. Right. So the same, same rules apply. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. let's get back to the question. The question is um, – so so Melly is certainly doing the right thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, 401k, they have a pension. Uh, they're investing in Robinhood and individual stocks, Betterment, emergency funds saved up in a high-yield savings account, got an invested po- uh, a portion of cash in a rental property, and an emergency fund. So, so like – So she's good. So $29,000 left over to be invested mm. and we're in a bull market. My, and I, so here's what I, here's what I wish I knew in this question. I wish I knew the percentages of how much money is in, like how much total worth is in 401k and Robin hood and betterment. Mm. Because then I'd say, well, if like there's a thousand dollars in betterment, but you're got, but you have $30,000 in cash. It's like, well, that doesn't, like for example, that, my- that's an awesome point, and and I, th- I think I get where you're going. Yeah. In terms of like overall allocation, yes. how much is in the market, how right. much not is not, and right. So Laura and I going forward, we're doing the two thirds, one third, because we already had a lot in Fundrise. We already have three rental properties. Mm-hmm. We uh, I'm in a p- apartment that's expensive that we mm-hmm. own, and so you know we still need to put two thirds into the market to, to keep our ratios appropriate. We don't want to be like all real estate. I, I don't right. want to be more than 20% real estate. So, so you, when you say the words, when you say the, uh, the fraction two thirds, you say two thirds of not all of your money, new, right? new investments, two thirds there, one third in Fundrise. Mm. But then like, but then if you added in your um, opportunity fund and emergency fund, and you had to split that up into fractions, where are you sitting? Oh, you mean like what percentage of my all the money that you have in an opportunity fund? Because I think that's what we're essentially getting at here. Because it's like, you know, should they just put it in an in an opportunity fund? Like, should they hoard this cash or should they be investing it? And I would say, if you have, if 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 you have thirty grand of cash to be invested, but you have like five hundred grand invested, I'd be like, well, then save it as an opportunity fund for sure. I have I have about five and a half percent of all of my wealth in cash right now, which winds up being a large number. Well, you said all of your wealth. I mean, does that include the house that you? I'm I'm think I'm talking about my net worth. Okay, so five and a half percent of my net worth is cash. Um, and is that, but is that which cash? is the highest it's ever been <laughs> to like an insane degree for me? I'm usually that, almost none. Is that cash? Uh, I do look at that cash as an opportunity. Abs- absolutely. Okay. okay. I, I'm, and is that I, cash sitting in a high interest savings account? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, so just, right now, I don't. I don't know what I want to do. I don't see anything that really looks good. Mm-hmm. And I, when it looks good, I'll know when it looks good. So that's what I think. That so it's hard to answer the question without knowing the the percentages of total money that's in these other areas. Because mm. 
if, you know, if again, we could go in the sense that like you have $30,000 in cash, but if you had a thousand in a 401k and a thousand in Robinhood and a thousand in Betterment and a thousand in your emergency fund, well, then your allocations are way off, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you have $4,000 spread out in investments and then 30 grand in cash sitting in a, in a, in a high, in a, I don't know where the hell it's sitting. It could be in a checking account. And I'd be like, no, funnel some of that over into those other things. Like yeah. do, you don't need to put anything new. Like those other things just need to be funded with that money. Right. Mm-hmm. So my assumption here is that all of those things are funded like crazy and there's 30 grand left over. And it's like, should I put this into a new investment or should I just kind of sit on it? And I think she's, they should sit on it. Yeah. I, I, again, I w- not knowing, I know, I don't know right. the allocation. Yeah, so, so hard so not to say. knowing. And I mean, looking at just the market, look at, at the end of the day, it's just insanely expensive. There's right. many metrics you could use. It was like a PE ratio, which is yeah. how many times earnings you're essentially like paying mm-hmm. forward for the company because you're assuming growth. And uh, it's the only time it's ever been higher in history is the dot-com bubble. That's been mm-hmm. higher than any of the other peaks. And it's only been going up. And it's yeah. just, that just means things are expensive. Right. I don't like expensive things. No, I know. It's, it's yeah, it's like buying those Gucci sliders. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and look, if you have any interest in any of these things, um, if, and if you listen to the last episode that we did, uh, we make our money by you signing up for products. Mm-hmm. Um, we have worked hard to build relationships with pretty much everyone that exists. Mm-hmm. So you could pick and choose. Go to listenmymatters.com slash toolbox. We have ridiculous reviews on everything. Um, and, and pick the things that you feel you're missing. Yeah. Ridiculous reviews. Like thousands of words, ultra teardowns. <laughs> well, thanks, Melly. Appreciate that. Hope that sort of answers the questions. Some more information would be super helpful, but I'm sure you know that and you know where we stand with that. You can do the, I mean, you heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> so there you go. All right, we're going we're gonna to take a break real quick. When we come back, we still got to talk about uh, what to do in an inheritance, which pff, would be awesome. And, uh, and weed. Hmm. <laughs> And that and the ganj. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. You ready? Question number three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always ready, dude. All right. This is about what to do with an inheritance. And it's a long one. <laughs> so <laughs> strap in, strap in. All right. I started listening to the show a few months ago and I'm in love. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Uh So it's really opened my eyes to all the possibilities that money can offer. I had such a negative outlook on money for years due to my parents' bankruptcy in 2008. I feel you. And you guys are helping change that. That being said, I'm a bit overwhelmed in choosing what I should do with inheritance from their deaths. Okay, background. I'm in my early 30s. I'm married. I have a mortgage, but no credit card debt or car payments. I have already paid off my student loans. I am self-employed, but recently had a contract, and so income is a bit unpredictable at the moment. I have about $12,000 in a Roth IRA, about $12,000 in a regular IRA from the previous employers, and $20,000 in the savings from CIT Bank at about 2.4% annual percentage yield, or uh, the interest rate. And based on the details of everything, I'm assuming that's the total amount of money. I will be inheriting approximately $120,000 at the end of August or so and want to know 
what you do in my position. I'd like to save a lot more for retirement, but I'm also thinking we need a few, we'll need a new house in two or three years. And should I sell my existing property or rent it? So that's a kind of a side question there. I would also like to try some of the products you've mentioned on the show, Vanguard, Betterment, Fundrise. How would you go about dividing up the money? I'm currently have a financial advisors with Lincoln Financial for my IRAs, but as far as the inheritance is concerned, concerned, do I even need to go through them? I'm still new to this whole money thing, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can as quickly as possible through your podcast and Ramit's new book, which I've heard about from you guys. Any advice uh, would be greatly appreciated. So uh, it, it's, just hearing this, it sounds like I would immediately say you do not need to go through Lincoln because you already know what you're doing. You're listening to the show. You're reading Ramit's book. They're not going to have any secret sauce that we're not going to be able to tell you in the show. God, I'm so glad that you you seized upon that because that was I read this whole thing and that was the first thing that stuck out. Yeah. I dove in and did some research and they're they're bad, like they're they're stealing your money. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. And this is not none of this shit is. I mean, I will say that this shit can be confusing, and which is why I, we. I, I which, just want to take a second to explain why they're bad because. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I um, just thought we just wanted to trash talk them. Like, I was totally fine with that. I was totally <laughs> well, fine with no context. Like, yeah, fuck those guys. We're out. Yeah, they're the worst. Anyone with the <laughs> no, so because we get a lot of emails from people who have look financial advisors. The name there are good ones out there. We have had them on the show. They're ones that we've recommended. Yeah, they're fee only. So they're like. $40 a month, $100 a month, whatever. It's, it doesn't matter if you're six feet tall, if you have a million dollars, it's $40 a month. That's what it is. Yeah, And that, and that makes sense because you're talking to someone for like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the percentage fee advisors like mm-hmm. Lincoln Financial are like uh, Dracula to your wealth. They're just sucking it dry. Mm-hmm. Um if you have less than three hundred thousand dollars with um, Lincoln Financial, let's say between thirty and three hundred, it sounds like you would. That's 055 percent in fees every year, plus two hundred five dollars, plus fees depending on how many shares you hold, plus yearly fees if if it's an IRA account or yeah. whatever type account. It's like fees to hell. And and they're like little tiny fees that you don't realize, and they just add up to an enormous amount. You have to if if, if any of the if you're with an advisor as a fee schedule, you you need to leave. All right, Edward Jones, enemy number one. All right, let's let's talk about this. Twelve thousand dollars in a Roth IRA, and about twelve thousand dollars in a regular IRA from a previous employer, and twenty thousand dollars in savings. Mm. This is this is we're we're dealing with big money here. I mm-hmm. think. Okay. One, I'd say take those, that 2,400 in IRAs that are through, assuming through Lincoln, roll them over into Betterment. 24,000. Sorry, sorry, 24,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roll them so, over into Betterment, manage that shit yourself, save money on the fees. It's going to help you in the long run and start contributing to them in, on a consistent basis if you're not already doing that. So just moving them will save you money. There's yep. no tax implications. From moving yeah, them I, over. Right, right. They're IRA. Um, and so. Betterment will help you. They yep. will talk to Lincoln and there will be some things that you need to do, but they're going to do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, do that. Don't talk to anybody on the, you don't, just, like, it's 2019, man. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, 
Okay. Embrace the robots. Right. So now there's $20,000 in savings. That feels like a lot of money. That feels like an emergency fund. I don't mm-hmm. know how much this person makes. So that's, um, that's tough to say because I don't know. I mean, they're self-employed. There's no debt, which is like, God, you're in the catbird seat at this point. You know, like, yeah. the, the, you know, this is, uh, this is all up to you. But I would say what I would do personally, if this was happening to me, and I'm in a very similar. And you're saying what you would do with this 120000 Yeah, so I'm in a very similar situation. I'm in my early 30s. <clears throat> <laughs> all right, all right. We could uh, go with that. <laughs> uh, mid, mid to late. Uh, I do have a mortgage, but I have no credit card debt. I do have car payments, but I don't consider it debt because it's a utility bill, in my opinion. That's just mm-hmm. me. It's just me. Um, I am self-employed, and my income is unpredictable. I have IRAs. I have two of them. I have a Roth, and I have a SEP. Uh, I have savings accounts, and I am not getting $120,000 in lump sum, but that sometimes happens to me in di- in smaller ways. In your dreams. In my dreams. <laughs> in my wet dreams. Okay. Sometimes, every <laughs> night, I yeah. get $120,000 yeah, in sometimes. Uh Okay. I also... Um, I'm looking for a house in the next two to three years and I currently rent my property. So, uh, I feel very, I feel like in a very similar situation and this is what I would do. She already has a mortgage though. So she's in a house that she owns. You don't have a mortgage. You're paying rent. Oh, actually you do. Yes. You actually do. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, so I I, I forget sometimes. Right. Right. So I just feel like I have, I have a very similar situation. So kindred spirits. This is just, yeah, this is just from my own brain. What I would do if I had to sit here and like play like armchair financial advisor. Mm. Uh, and I'm not taking a fee. I'm not making no money fee. off your money. Although what? You know, I'm in the wrong business, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I would be, I would take those Roth IRAs. I'd move them into something that I could manage, max them out mm. every year. Just like automate, automate that, max it out, whatever it's gotta be. Right. I would, I wouldn't touch the $20,000 in savings. Keep it right where it is. 2.4%. Awesome. Like, that's great. Um, uh, I would if you're moving, if you're thinking about moving, uh, I would, if you're moving and you, and you sell your existing property, you can take that money, depending on how much you would make from it, move it over and buy a new house with that as a down payment. That seems like a good move versus renting. And there are no tax implications for that. If you do it, I think it's within 30 or 60 days. It's called like a 1301 exchange or, or something like that. Yeah. So, so I, that sounds like a better move than, than say renting it and moving into a new house because you're probably going to have to use that 120 grand as a down payment on a new house. Also don't know where you live. So it could be 20 grand. And I'm like, well, at that point, whatever, what what I would do is, is you can just take the numbers for your existing mortgage and you know how much you paid and whatever, and, and plug it into a calculator like investable. Yep. that we've built and see if if you will actually get a return yeah. on that property because like, then is that it could worth be an investment making it a rental property right so that that is the one that's that's information i'm missing um and i would look into those two things because ultimately renting it and buying a new house would mean that i would need that $120,000 some of that $120,000 inheritance as a down mm-hmm. payment for the next place right because I wouldn't get, I wouldn't be selling my house to get the down payment from the next place. So I, and I, and I don't know where you live either. So like to me, that could be one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, could be the entire down payment. And at that case, I would be like, don't do that. 
Mm. Um, I don't think that that's that's I don't think that's a terrible move. Um, but if you live in a place that's not as high as as Boulder is, then I would say your like home you, is also not your not an investment right account. So right. you have to be careful. I know you want to then like kind of massive upgrade on the house end. Yeah. But. So I'll tell you what I would do. Let's assume I would I would take that one twenty. I would stick it in a high yield savings account, and then I would do dollar cost averaging. Ah, uh, un- yes. Until it was until it was until I was down back to twenty thousand. <laughs> So I I think I, I was going to recommend something extremely similar and mm-hmm. may, maybe with the one catch of uh, figuring out how much you might contribute a month because one uh, it, things seem to be hot and expensive now so right, right. Uh, but it's up and down right so if you were and, to take 120 grand and stick it in a betterment today at one price. You're not, you, you know, it may be the peak today, may be the peak, right? And so you just bought it at the most expensive price ever, and it'll it'll only go down from there. Whereas if you took all that money, you could put lump sums. You could take like what oh, you could put do five is grand you could create in. a betterment account that's more pessimistic. That yeah. is perhaps uh, 40, 60 stock yeah. bonds, right? You know, and then then you could dollar cost average a bit more aggressively in there, knowing that you're not uh, ultra exposed to yes. what's going on and look like if you did five thousand dollars a month this this will play out over such a long period the automated yep. investing that in a year if something happens you'll have the vast majority still uninvested that you could take action with yeah i would so the thing is is whenever i would think about getting a lump sum like that i would keep it in cash and slowly drip it into multiple retirement accounts and multiple investing accounts over time. You know, and like, and it's, unless it's like the month after, you know, the worst crash ever in like <laughs> right. 2008, then you're like, then you put it all in. Maybe, maybe it's a little I mean, up maybe. and down, but, but you're we don't know when it. it's going to end, too. So right. it's like, yeah. But it's the, hard the to point say. being is like, there may be times where it's super obvious, but most of the time when it's not, you just dollar cost average. And if you're, feeling all nervous just make it a smaller amount but i yeah. think it's the committing to a monthly investment yeah is what is most important max out those iras for the year you got up to six grand mm. in those iras so you pay 12, no one more than grand. the tax man so anything right. you could do to reduce that yes um yeah i don't think i would go i don't think i would do fundrise personally because i don't mm. really know much about it uh I would be in Betterment, which is which has Vanguard. They do invest in Vanguard. Um, you could do Vanguard, but I personally, the reason why I don't have any Vanguard accounts is because their website is terrible, and I have no patience for it. So it's like, it's rough. It's unfortunate that <laughs> yeah. well, it's part of their whole. They're so cost. Yeah, they're so like lean. They yeah. literally don't invest in this right. Stuff. But I am investing in Betterment funds because of I'm investing through Betterment. Mm. So Betterment is how I invest into the, you know, U.S. Into Vanguard. Into Vanguard in the U.S. economy and the stock market. That's how I do it. That's like my only, that's my only sort of like path to that mm. thing. Because it's just the easiest for me. And I can get more complicated with stuff like, you know, buying individual stocks at Robinhood and investing in rental properties and Fundrise and shit. But honestly, like I, I you just. You just taper your slider on yeah. Betterment. And then they have added on things like uh, dollar cost or not uh, tax loss harvesting and things that like the robots can do that will save you or gain you percentage. Yeah. In, 
Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And that's what Ramit's going to teach you in his book is just automate everything. And the you should be better. thinking on these things like once and then you're done. Yeah. You have your IRAs. There's your retirement. You're good. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you should have at least an, a brokerage account with Betterment. And you can roll both IRAs and have a brokerage account with Betterment. Different different sliders for each. Max out the two IRAs and do what you want with the brokerage account. And then the rest of it, just keep it in the savings account. You have your you have an opportunity fund. You can have a, a an emergency fund. I mean, I think that twenty grand in an emergency fund is awesome. Yeah. So I would take that one twenty. Maybe as soon as you start Betterment, stick twenty grand in there as a as a lump sum like additive, and then dollar cost average the rest of it until it's gone. So it's gone out of your savings account. Yeah. And that way, and that way, God forbid anything happens, you have that's liquid. You have access to that cash if you need it in case of an emergency, you know, between now and when it's all into the into the investment account. And then you can, you know, you'll you'll be way further ahead than most people. So I don't think you need anybody to help you out. That's just it's, it can be really that simple. But get out of Lincoln Financial. <laughs> there you go. The, the first menu item on their website is trying to get you to sign up for annuities. Like, you know they're good when. Right. Okay. There you go. So thank you for that question. Moving on. I recently put in an order for an engagement ring for my girlfriend. The total of the ring is $3,000. I applied and received a Capital One credit card with a very good welcome bonus and a cashback offer that takes the price of the ring down to $2,800. Oh, they got you real good there. Uh, here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I remember, all right. Here's my question. After listening to your TVM episode, what is that? Time value of money. Got it. Time. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't use acronyms. Uh, time oh, value of money episode. Points. I am thinking about paying off the balance over 15 months, zero interest for 15 months on the card. My concern is that my credit score may drop uh, from using too much available credit, approximately 10000 I'm wanting to buy a house in the next two years, uh, provided we get 20% down payment saved up, and and I am concerned if my credit drops, I will get a higher interest rate on the mortgage. Should I just pay off the ring right away, I have the cash saved up currently, or slowly pay it off and put the rest in a high-yield savings account or something like Betterment? Okay. Okay. I like this one. Do you? No, I want you to answer. I feel like I answered all of them. Well, so I feel like this is this is a math question, a math question, right? I, f- I feel like at the end of the day, when it comes to something like time value of money or, or figuring these things out, uh, there's look, I mean, it could go any way, but often there is a, a, a most efficient. Path. Yeah, so, so I, I have my answer, but go ahead. So uh, you're saving about six and a half percent on the price. From three thousand to twenty eight hundred, mm-hmm. and so if you were to invest that over fifteen months and earn more than that, you know, like cool, awesome. Obviously, including the fact that um, you have to pay your monthly thing, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you're going to be able to pull that off. And so, I don't since I don't believe that you could put your money to a better use. Um, there's like a few avenues. Mm-hmm. One, you could just take it as a relief to not have to spend the 3K. And as long as you absolutely promise that you will submit your, what is 2,800 divided by 15? If you absolutely promise to automatically pay $187 every month for 15 months, 
then you're good and there's no problem. Maybe conversely, and, and from my experience with dealing with this uh, engagement ring and stuff is, why don't you talk to the people selling you the ring and see what they'll give it to you if you just pay it in cash? Because mm. I think that you could actually get a better discount from them. And actually, uh, if you told them that, uh, you know, you think that it's going to cost you about $2,800 if you pay with the credit card, but if they can give you even $10 better deal, or maybe say $100 better deal, then you'll mm -hmm. do it in cash because um, they have to pay the credit card processing fee. And right. all these welcome points and cashback bonus these come from the vendor the credit, right from the credit card company from the credit i mean well from the people selling the product right you know and so uh i think you could perhaps get a better deal in mm -hmm. cash and then not have to worry about the credit card and making a mistake that will screw your credit okay that said if you're looking to do something in two years your credit card utilization isn't a super big deal because it's kind of a, a now thing. So if you're yeah. looking to get a house and they do a credit check, it's what is your utilization on the day they checked it? Two years ago, that was between you and whatever you were doing. Yeah. And so it really is, if you think you're going to buy something big, like a house in two, two years, you have months to get everything in order. Yeah. All right. Here's what I'll add, Here's what I'll add to that. I did this once. I did. I bought a mattress from Sleepy's last time I'll ever do that. Uh, I did the same thing. <laughs> it, was a, the, the, it was probably around twenty eight hundred dollars, mm. more like maybe like two grand. And when I, I got I got suckered into signing up for a fucking credit card through Sleepy's, mm -hmm. and it was I think yeah probably fifteen months no interest. And so I did. That the guy got a yearly bonus after you yeah. left that. Oh, building. I'm sure he did. And I had that. I still had that credit card. The thing is, is that when you're done paying it off, you fucking have that credit card now. They're like, you have this it. guy bought a $2,800 mattress and finance it. It's like, right. you're promoted. You're now right. district manager. <laughs> <laughs> of all the sleepies. Uh, so I did this. Now, I will say that it was a really dumb decision at the time. But what I did was I paid exactly what I needed to pay in those months with no interest. And by the last month, I had everything paid off. In fact, the last month, I think there was like 300 bucks left on the card or like a hundred and something dollars left on the card. And I was like, done. And I just paid it off and I was done. Now, I think that did two things for me. That was very important. One, it freed me up. So it wasn't spending $2,800. I didn't have $2,800 to just drop, right? Right. Um, and if I did, like, then I, if I did drop it on there, on that mattress, then I wouldn't have that $2,800. Mm. It would be gone. And so if I, anything happened to me, emergencies or anything, that $2,800 is out. It's gone. And it is worth saying when it comes to the time value of money that part of it is the utility of you having the cash now. Right. You don't have to invest it to earn whatever for it to compete with. Part of you having the cash available now is that you could pay your existing expenses and yes. not meaningfully interrupt your life. Yes. I think the, the second part of what I was going to say is I believe doing the automated so all those payments i'm talking about were automated i mm -hmm. it was it was automatically sucking $60 out of my checking account every month and i just always made sure i had $60 in there for the next 15 months that was when, that was during a time i had really shitty credit and i was rebuilding my credit by having many 15 on time payments on a, a credit card 
And so I believe that that helped my credit score because at the end of those 15 months, yes, your, your utilization or your credit to debt ratio will be lower and you will have 15 months of solid paid on time shit. Mm. Which which really helps your score. And interestingly, when we first met, you had a terror bad, like worst, like just got yeah. credit for signing your name credit score. And right. now yours is better than mine. And yeah. so just kind of the focus on the on-time payments, which I know you did. Mm-hmm. It's the single biggest factor. Yep. And so my, yeah. So one, if you want to do the, the cash deal, and if you have the cash, this is assuming that like, let's. I'm just assuming in all these cases that like, you only have three hundred. You like three like three thousand dollars for this ring is ridiculously expensive. And if you paid it in cash, which you could do, you would be out a lot of cash. Mm. And so I, because that's how I was, and 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 would be even today. Um, so I would just say, you got the credit card, you applied, it's yours now, right? So you, you know, you got it. Mm. Uh, it doesn't look like you can go back on the deal. Because you own the credit card now, and canceling it would be detrimental to your credit score. Uh, not in a bet, not too bad, but still something. So, like, take it, use it, do fifteen months, and when those fifteen months are over, I mean, it sounds like it's a it's a normal credit card and not one specifically to the ring dealer. You know, it's not mm. like a Jarrett credit card, um, <laughs> which my mine was a Sleepy's credit card, so it was like I'm only using it at Sleepy's. Uh, so I think take advantage of the loan. Um, take advantage of zero interest, pay it off on time, automate it so that you never miss a payment, build that credit up. You get your girlfriend a super nice engagement ring. Um, maybe you could have got it cheaper, but who cares at this point? You're building your credit. And then in two years, you can buy a, you know, a house. Babe, I bought you a house. Yeah, I bought you a house. You, How did you... I do it? Because I built credit with your engagement ring. <laughs> Boom. There you go. That's that's what I would, That's how I would do it. Personally. I like. I, I like. I like. <laughs> right. Moving on to the final question and probably Andrew's favorite question according to this document. What is your view on cannabis stocks? Full legalization seems inevitable. <laughs> God. Sorry. It does not. <laughs> At which time Montana? prices will soar. So now is the time to get in while they're low. No brainer, right? Or no? How do you feel? What do you think, Matt? Well, being uh, that I live in the state where we're making hand over fist buckets of cash and cannabis taxes. Yeah, where your dad's literally (laughs) flying out. Maybe not to visit you. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, So I would say. (sighs) All right. Um, I do not think full legalization is inevitable. Uh, There are states like Mississippi and Tennessee and North Carolina, and I could keep going down the list of asshole politicians who are just like super against pot. Um, I will say though that like you know Colorado, California, Washington, these places are super progressive, and I just don't see it happening very in the near future, unless like I I don't know I'm super skeptical of like just today's politics. I imagine in like the 30 year period, I think sure. that it will is tobacco is edged out that uh, that revenue needs to be picked up somewhere. Well, that's what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Um, it's a money the, grab for local governments. It, it's going to be. No, I think it's going to be a lobbying 
issue with the tobacco companies who are investing in cannabis. Mm. The more cannabis, and they are heavily, and they already are. So yeah, perhaps. So I don't think I would invest in cannabis stocks right now because they are volatile, and it depends on. I would invest on the tertiary things around cannabis, like people who sell water, people who sell grow lights, mm. like the so the operations for growing cannabis are all indoors and they're massive, and so there is a lot of like like little tiny things that you can invest in around the cannabis industry that's not directly cannabis. Okay, so I I agree. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that investing in the actual operations or the tertiary is even a better or worse. I think that no. they're both equal in terms of the opportunity. But uh, there, there's, there's a lot to unpack here because, mm. one, we're going into picking stock territory. Yeah, oh, sure. And so sure. that implies that if this is something that interests you and it interested me enough to dig in before – you know, the question where like 15 minutes of research will give you so much information on these companies already. And you may even personally looking at a lot of these, I was deciding not to because they're really overpriced, Mm. perhaps as a result of all the hype. And we're answering this question one, because I really like the Mary Jane, but also uh, we're getting this a lot. And so of course, yeah. You have to realize that you're not just like wakening up to this thing. Like everyone else figured it out faster than you. And that's kind of always the case. All right. Let me. Can, oh, God. You have more? Well, always I have more, but tell me. Here's what I'll. I think this. this all right. Craft beer in my. In my I'm, I'm very much follow the market. I am. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, at the precipice of it. And. I we've love seen, the word precipice. Thank you. We've <laughs> seen such a huge boom in it. If somebody came to me and said, do you want to invest in, you know, this particular brewery or this, you know, or beer or craft beer in general, I'd be like, fuck no. Like, let me taste the beer first. I wouldn't then- even go that far. It is way too volatile of a market mm. to me personally, because I've watched New England IPAs soar and ultimately drop. Because now millennials aren't drinking beer. They're drinking whatever. And it's like, you know, it's just way too volatile rose. for me. And that, and that, yeah, they're drinking rosé in cans or they're drinking uh, cocktails or now they're drinking fucking hard seltzer because it's mm. low in calories. Ugh. So all I'm, I'm just saying that, like, I am so involved in the industry and yet I am even unwilling to invest in it. Mm. I would say if you are so into the cannabis industry and you know it and you feel confident do what you want to do you have to know what you, in, you Look, invest it, it's in what you know it's just a microcosm of any industry if you love yes. drones like right. it's not to say that you can't but you just have to do your own research invest in what you know i will say if you're just reading the fucking headlines on twitter trending and you're like dude can't i mean like or you just hear you know the same way that i i heard uh you know, uh, what the fuck? Howard Stern was coming over to Syria. So of course it's going to go up. Of course. And look what happened to me. I am fine, but I just, it's it still, I lost a lot of money in that because I just heard what it was like. It's the hype. It's like investing in fucking cryptocurrency right look, now. 
when it, then, when it was like all the rage. You could invest in cultivation and operation. Mm-hmm. You could invest in pharma biotech because that's essentially yep. what is how they're growing these strains to be that the way that they are. Yep. Um, you could invest in services and ancillary businesses, Matt, like you had suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, dispensaries. There's so many avenues, and I literally have at least fifty tickers that I'm yep. like on this page that I that I put together. Sure. And I'm going to guess that you don't even have, you don't even know company names. And yeah. so like definitely there are opportunities. There are opportunities everywhere, yeah. but you have to be willing to go deep for There's the There's opportunities in, in, in like medical tech. So like hmm. it, it's, but that, that's not the one that's getting talked about. It's not the one that's in the headlines. Right. Because the one so that's getting talked about is insanely expensive. Maybe not the best one. They're just right. The I mean, that's one they're all. Talked. That's why they're all. You're buying at the highest time. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're welcome, America. The the <laughs> thing is, there is absolutely opportunities here. But yeah. before any opportunities, there are always there's always a tier for suckers. Yeah, where the people who are promoting these things. Yeah, when you Google and whatever, they're making money as yep. a result. Bitcoin. And so you you need to be thoughtful about it. I think you just need to invest in what you know. Mm. Just invest in what you know. And if you don't know shit, invest in everything. And if all of the research and stuff sounds shitty and you're like, I, I ain't got time for that. I don't want to do it. That's why you go with something like Betterment because they are doing the research right. and the planning and the automation and it's not falling on you. And, you know, the the Bitcoin story, and obviously it's constantly evolving. It's it's spiking mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, but how dumb were the people who bought Bitcoin at twenty thousand a coin? Yeah, when they saw it on Twitter, when they saw it, at, right. when they saw it start to trend, and and then the local news started picking it up. That's within when a handful like, of months. It was then down to three thousand. Like you, you're gonna have better odds yeah. in Vegas if you're not willing to be thoughtful and do research. And so. For you to be like, well, that's dumb. This is different. If you didn't do your research, it's really not different. No. Um, and and I guess their point is like they're they're thinking full legalization seems inev- inevitable. So like, why why not get in now when it's not fully legalized? And as soon as it becomes fully legalized, I will be a millionaire. Hmm. I don't think it's going to work that way. <laughs> if if only it was that easy. Right. It's just like yeah. It's it's already so. It's already so. You know what? Actually. Just, just if you want to do any slight research at all, like, did you watch the? And I, I know we bring this guy up a lot, but did you watch the Marcus Lemonis episode on weed? I did not. Is, a whole, is this a new episode? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's older. It's a whole episode where he just—it's not—he doesn't invest in weed because he doesn't smoke, and he's like, I don't get it. But he just goes in like, in he goes in like talks to a bunch of different companies, hmm. and just like in different departments. Like he talks to a bakery that only does like you know brownies and stuff he talks to a delivery service he talks to a grow farm and so he's getting all these little things and you you'll you'll see that like you know they they all think that they're going to be big and it's going to they're dreaming big but right now they're all super small and you know i i think a lot of it is just going to be splintered and it's it's they're it's all over investing they're all over expectations yeah. that may or may not play out right and then then you maybe have a better chance talking to your local senator Right. What are the chances of this passing? Yeah. If yeah. I mean, I have I have no fucking faith in politics. Mm. So guaranteed um, that nothing I'm will not, happen because do any of them work? Yeah, really? I'm just 
And then if, and if they do, what regulations are going to be put on it that's going to, you know, stifle the industry? Like, you don't even know yet. So it's not like as soon as it becomes fully legal, the look at, you know what? Here, here's it. Here's it again. Go look at Canada. Mm. Go look at, they did it. They had, you know, the whole fucking country's legalized. Look at sales graphs. Did look sales, sales explode? Graphs. What, you did, know? It, did it, ex- yeah. If it's, you know, do your research. It's all. But I, I, I per- personally, I don't know the industry. I feel like it's, I think it's all hype personally. And so I'm, I even live in a state where, where it's so, it, dude, it's so not a thing here. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not like it's everywhere you see it. It's like, oh my God, it's such a booming market. It's I'm like, sure no, after it's, a year, it kind of just fades. Nah, into everyone's normal. just like, yeah. Now just people just carry them around their vape pens. Mm. And it smells like strawberries. It smells like strawberries. Yeah. It doesn't even smell like weed anymore. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's all. Um, that's what I think about that. What are you good with that? Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Though it was a good question. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it more in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll change my mind. I mean, maybe I do my research and be like, "Oh shit!" But I'm not a pot smoker. I do. I mean, I'm not against doing it. I will mm-hmm. do it at time to time. I will probably do it this week. But I, uh, yeah, I, 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 it doesn't do the like. I like. I'd rather like drink a beer than smoke yeah. a pot. You know what I mean? Honestly, that's what all the kids are doing. To work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I would kind of wish I had like if folk. I don't need any sort of aid to make me work. You know what I mean? I could just, well, I could just, yeah, I just have hyper focus. Yeah. So, all right, that's it. Appreciate all the questions. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you to Adam. Thank you to Melly. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to scrolling up the list. Uh, <laughs> there, there's at least one name Luke, missing. Oh, because Luke. Yeah, I forgot to mention Luke. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and and that's it. So if you missed anything, we'll have everything in the show notes as we normally do. Either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. Please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And please tell your friends about us. Point them to your favorite episodes. And hopefully they'll become a subscriber as well. Mm. And if you have any questions or topics or whatever that you'd like us to talk about in the show, perhaps for another five questions episode, please read email your emails. Us. We read them. Actually, I mean, people do. We discuss them. And yes. we argue and yell at each other over them. There you go. So if you have any, please send them to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, like Andrew mentioned earlier in today's episode, all the tools and resources that we normally mention on the show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's it. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show.